The gift of a pastor would be nothing without the gift of the church. So uh, you are the Father's gift to Jesus. Um, it was Alex who pointed out that uh, the third verse of How Deep the Father's Love begins with, I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. I was talking last week, wasn't I, about how God taught me a lesson. We talk about God's discipline and how he taught me the importance of not boasting. Um, so let's continue. I did say that last week we'd, uh, I'd tell you the other story. Um, but I thought, uh, let's have the PowerPoint, please, Ed. I thought we'd begin by reading Jesus' letter to the Laodicean church together. We haven't done that for a while, so uh, we'll go from what's on the screen here. So are you ready to read it aloud together? Are we? To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not know, realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Next one. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Well done, at least you can read it correctly. I struggled a bit in the middle there. We got to the bit, we'll leave it on this screen, because we got to the bit in verse 19. We talked about the hot and the cold, and if you need to hear about that and what I believe Jesus is really saying about hot, cold, and lukewarm, then go onto our website and you can hear part one, part two, and part three, because this is part four. And we've gotten to the bit last week that says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Now, it's of huge importance that we grasp that Jesus is writing this letter because he loves these Christians. And whoever Christians and unbelievers that read this letter years and years later, he's writing it because he loves them, because he loves the reader. Why does God do anything? Because he loves. God is love. His love for the world, his love for people, his love for you. That's his motivation. This is Jesus' motivation as well for this letter. And Jesus is calling them out because he loves them and does not want them to be lukewarm. He hates the thought. It causes him sickness, vomiting kind of thoughts of leaving these Christians lukewarm, distant from him in their relationship with him. And last week... We looked at God's preferred method of discipline, which is his spoken word. Just like 
any teacher or good parent, their first line of discipline is their spoken word, telling you not to do something or telling you to do something. And it's normally only after repeated ignorance of their verbal word does discipline need to ratchet up a bit because they're not listening. They're not learning. They're continuing on the wrong path. Okay? And God does the same, Old Testament and New Testament. When he disciplines us, rebukes and disciplines, it starts out by his speaking to you through his word, through the witness of the Holy Spirit. And only then, when it's ignored, and normally repeatedly ignored, does his discipline ratchet up a notch or two. And thankfully, there are many, many ratchet notches before he gets to spitting you out, like Jesus said, or the vine and the branches story, throwing you away. Okay? So Jesus is writing this letter to Christians, born-again believers, hoping that they will have hearts of good soil. Do you know what it means to have hearts of good soil? Do you remember the parable of the sower? Yeah, there were four types of soil, wasn't there? There was the stony soil. There was the soil that was shallow without root. There was the soil that had lots of weeds and it choked the word of God. And then there was the good soil. So Jesus hopes that he's not speaking to Christians with stony, impenetrable hearts, or short-lived, rootless hearts, or hearts choked with weeds. He's hoping that he's speaking to Christians that they'll receive his word. What did, what did Jesus say about the good soil? It receives the word, it retains the word, and it perseveres with the word producing a harvest of 30, 60, or 100-fold. So Jesus is hoping, when he writes this letter to Christians who are lukewarm, far away from their original source, not cold, not hot, but lukewarm, he's hoping that they will hear the word, receive the word, and persevere with it until it produces fruit. Fruit of what? Being close to Jesus in the relationship with him once more. Okay? That's how God initially disciplines us. And we read in John 15, the vine and the branches, Jesus explained that the Father, who's the gardener, prunes us so that we might become even more fruitful, a greater harvest from his word. And how did he prune his disciples? Because they heard the words that Jesus spoke, and they listened to them, and they persevered with it. That's how the Father wants to prune people so they're more fruitful, by his word. Hearing him, listening to it, retaining it, and persevering with it till it produces a harvest. That which what he was sent to do, Isaiah 55. Okay. But what happens when we do not respond? When we have stony hearts, short-lived hearts, or weedy hearts that choke out the word, the worries, the slice, the care... What happens when we ignore his spoken word? Well, last week I shared with you how my heart was not good soil when it came to the word of God concerning boasting. I hadn't got it. I'd read it a hundred times, I expect. More than that, maybe. But I just hadn't got it. 
I was still boasting. So what does God do when you ignore his word? He ratchets up a notch, doesn't he, with his discipline. And he disciplined me on three occasions until I got the message, I'm not supposed to boast, am I? Did you learn anything from my experience last week? You did? Well, I'm going to share with you another experience. Because what's the word of God supposed to do in our, inside us? Let's go to the next slide. We read this last week, but just to recap. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God, God's spoken word, in order to discipline us, prune us, and make us fruitful, causes this division between your spirit and soul. And those times when we find ourselves divided within, our our quick-to-react self is suddenly being counseled by another calmer, more peaceful side of ourselves. It says, don't react like that. Forgive them. The word of God says we should forgive our enemies, not honk your horn and swear at them or whatever it is that you might do when you get cut up. Not you, Wendy, of course. So actually, when we experience this inner conversation going on, we're actually experiencing what the word of God is supposed to do. It's dividing our soul and our spirit. We're hearing the pruning instruction of the Father right there when he is counseling us on the side of mercy, love, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to prune you. He's dividing your soul and your spirit. Your soul wants to do one thing, gets upset quite easily, doesn't it? Your born-again spirit knows the truth has the witness of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God inside. So it's up to you to choose how you respond. Do you understand it? Do you retain it and persevere with it? Or do you become shallow to it? Maybe react instantly but then forget about it? Or are you stony towards it? Or are there too many weeds of other things going on that just chokes it out? If a believer continues to ignore this internal division going on, which is supposed to happen, choosing each time to suppress the truth, that's when the discipline of God needs to be ratcheted up a notch. If internal pruning is not possible, then God has, to, has the option of launching operational external pruning. If internal pruning isn't working, if you're not listening to what he said, operation external pruning can go into operation. Have you ever experienced operation external pruning? Ken's laughing. Last week I shared with you one instance of operation external pruning in my own experience with being boastful. 
Well, it was about six weeks ago. That was about four years ago. I learned about boasting, and it has affected me ever since, and I have changed my attitude and my language, mostly. But when it comes to being judgmental and judging, if we have the next slide, we looked at this last week, we began. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, ordinarily, I'm fairly hot, not successful all the time, but I'm fairly hot not to entertain judgmental thoughts for more than a moment. You cannot stop judgmental thoughts appearing, can you? You cannot stop letting them in, because they just come in. They're there, they appear, wherever they appear from, they're there. Judgmental thoughts are there, but what you can choose is how long they stay before kicking them out, showing them the door, denying them, rejecting them, resisting them, however you want to phrase it. Does that mean that they instantly don't come back? You ever had judgmental thoughts that just keep knocking at the door? Yeah? So if you resist them once, what do you do? Resist them again. If they come again, resist them. You keep resisting them. Don't give up. In the end, the enemy left Jesus for another opportune time. Yeah? But Jesus resists him three times initially, didn't he? You might have to resist these judgmental particular thoughts loads and loads of times until it leaves you, until you're successful. But if you do entertain these thoughts, you give up because it's hard, isn't it? Be quick to repent. Be quick to confess your sins. Recognize this internal conversation going on. Admit it, confess it, and move on. Okay? That's the blood, the power of the blood of Jesus. All right. Okay. But you know how it is in less overt situations when we're a bit more relaxed. We can be a bit more lax when it comes to keeping an eye on our judgeful judgmentalism. Okay? And I found myself about six weeks ago, one breakfast time, watching an episode of Could You Survive? Everyone's looking a bit puzzled. Could you survive? It's a Netflix program, and basically it's the retelling of real-life incidents where someone wandered into the Canadian or North American wilderness and got lost for at least five days and got rescued uh, eventually. And then they reenact it, but this time they've got someone who's skilled in bushcraft, survival skills, to tell them what they should have done. And to help you, if you ever get in that situation, how you can make best use of what's around you to get help, to create a fire, have a shelter, and things like that. Stay safe, eat. All right? So that's the program. And there were a couple of incidents where the person had seemed barely wandered minutes from where they parked their car when they came to the realization that they wandered from the trail and didn't know how to get back. And then they spent the next five days wandering around until they were found and rescued. Some of them quite ill when they were found near death because of dehydration and hypothermia and broken bones because they tried to climb up somewhere and fallen down. Okay? So they've only wandered about five minutes from their car. And yet somehow they found themselves lost for five days. All right? Now, when I was watching this, do you know what I found myself thinking? 
<laughs> well, I began by saying to myself, this is just my thoughts, by the way, and we've learned that thoughts are fair game when it comes to what God says. It's still the same as what our words. I said, how the heck could you walk such a small distance and then take five days to find your way out and be rescued? That's what I was thinking. How can you get lost in such a short space of time? Okay? Which I think are reasonable questions. Are they reasonable questions? Yeah. All right. Are they judgmental? You're saying yeah? Anyone else say no, not yet? You're on the road, aren't you? You're on, you're, on, you're on the road in Alaska somewhere. Now, do you know what my ego begins to chip in? I'd do better than that. I wouldn't get lost. Yeah. If that was me, I'm sure I wouldn't get lost like that. And even if I did get a little lost, it would probably only take me five minutes to find the main trail again. Not five days. Getting lost that easily, that's ridiculous. What's wrong with them? Can you hear yourself saying these sort of things? Thinking them? They must be a bit dopey to get lost so easily. Would you think such things? I wonder what other criticisms might come into your mind. You can't help it, can you? You can't help it. You just can help how long they stay there. And if you start agreeing with them. Now the next day, I watched another episode. And the same kind of thoughts, again, were being affirmed in my mind. And probably this time I was probably nodding to myself as well. In approval. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, there must be something wrong with them. Yeah, I they felt stupid. But at the same point, I did have the, the counter thought that I shouldn't be judging. Do you ever get that? The wise part of yourself, the born-again part of yourself, starts to chip in and say, mm, 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 don't judge. Mm, there but for the grace of God go I. Kind of thing. Do you, sometimes you chip in. Yeah, you hear another thought, counter-thought, which is the word of God, dividing soul and spirit. It's your conscience as well, that God has given every person. It's the spirit-filled part of you. But do you know what my soul can sometimes smother a wise thought with? If my spirit says, don't judge, do you know what my soul can smother that with? I know I shouldn't judge, but... Do you hear yourself saying that? I know I shouldn't judge, but... But surely I wouldn't have been so daft. I know I shouldn't judge... But surely a normal person would have soon found their car and not been so silly as they were. Do you ever have that thought too? I know I shouldn't judge, but... Yeah? Or whatever other scripture comes to your mind. Yeah, I know I should love my enemy, but... Yeah, I know the Lord Jesus calls me to forgive, but... So there I am, armchair criticizing, half unwittingly and half wittingly choosing to ignore God's word of instruction happening right on the inside of me. And then it's time for me to take a dog walk. 
Now, it was hot. This was in July. And so I decided to take our dog, Happy, to Sparrow's Wood because it's got water. And it'd be lovely for Happy to cool down in the water. She likes swimming and plodding along in the water. So I went there. Now, I normally go the outskirts of Sparrow's Wood when I go, but the back river, right at the back there, has got loads of flies in it at a certain time of year. And so the last few times I decided to go my normal route but then cut through the middle instead of going around the outside because of the flies. And I've been this route maybe three or four times within the last couple of weeks. And so I did my normal route and I was walking along, praying, and Happy was you know, wandering around, doing her own thing. And then I came to an exit. And I thought, I've never been here before. How did I get here? I was just doing my normal route. I didn't even know the path led out to wherever this road is. And I thought, oh, I've kind of been concentrating. No worries. I'll just head left. And that way will find me back to the main route and where I've parked my car. So, I'm wandering around. And I get to another bit that I just do not recognize. And I'm thinking, well, oh, I'm a bit lost, but not too lost. And it's okay because I've got maps on my phone. Okay? But the difficulty is, is that I'm due to meet someone at half past ten. And it's getting late. And I'm a bit of a fluff now. I'm a bit of a sort of fluffing around because I haven't got time to spare. So I get out maps. Now, bearing in mind, those on the TV program had no signal. It's just out in the middle of nowhere. And this is a relatively small area, isn't it, in Sparrow's Wood? So I look at my maps and I think, okay, that's where I've parked the car. I need to head in this direction. So I put my phone back in and I head in that direction. And I get to the point where I'm thinking, I still don't know where I am. So I get maps out again and I've headed in the wrong, totally the wrong direction from where I thought I was heading. So then I literally had maps in front of me like that. And I had to go double back on myself and eventually found the car. And it dawned on me as I was exiting towards where I parked my car, thinking, <laughs> I'd only just that morning been criticizing other people. How on earth could they get lost five minutes from their car? They must be stupid. And yet, here I was. I don't know how the Lord did it, because I'd walked that road before, but somehow he'd managed to put me in a scenario where I was exactly doing the very thing that I've been criticizing someone. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah? God is good at doing those sorts of things. And so I chuckled to myself and I said, Lord, I've just realized I'm so sorry for being judgmental. I even not verbalizing, just in my thoughts that morning, just judging them. And it's not a serious matter, is it? But even so, a TV program, you do not want me to judge like that. And then when I was driving off, I, again, I said out loud, I said, Lord, that was a lesson learned, wasn't it? And then I corrected myself and I said, well, that was a lesson. Whether I've learned it or not remains to be seen. Does Jesus care if you're judgmental or judging wrongly? Does he want you to? disobey his commands, his word of instruction. If necessary, out of love, 
Will he discipline you because he doesn't want you heading in a certain direction, whether it's thought, word, and deed? Yeah. Can he do it? Will he do it? I'm so grateful that God's external discipline usually begins just as gentle as his internal discipline. You might feel uncomfortable for a bit. It might cost you money. When, it, when I was boasting, it costed me money and emotions. This time it didn't cost me much at all. Maybe I was just slightly worried I was going to be a bit late to meet someone. Now, we shouldn't think that every negative circumstance is God's discipline. But, in every negative circumstance, we can be confident that God can work his good into it. Yeah? Romans 8.28. And in my experience, if you ask him, he is quick to let you know whether he is using a particular situation for your discipline and what the lesson actually is. Because the goal of discipline is not to punish you, it's to change you, it's to correct you, it's to prune you to fruitfulness. It's to get the stony heart or the shallow heart or the weedy heart into good soil as soon as possible to produce a harvest. Quickly to end, Hebrews 12, it's beyond the screen. Hebrews 12, verse 4, if, uh, if you want to turn the only Bibles. It says this, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Who's that referring to? Jesus. And, you have completely, and have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says... My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Is that what Jesus said in the letter? I discipline and rebuke the one I love. The Lord, do not, uh, sorry, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Ladies, I know it's not nice to keep hearing the word son, son, son all the time when God is referring to you, females and males. But at the same time, males have to get used to being referred to as the bride of Christ. Okay? So guys, we need to be comfortable being referred to as the bride of Christ. And ladies, it's not an insult when God keeps mentioning the word son in his Bible. It's just because you're in Christ. You're in his son. Okay, sorry, that was just a beside, wasn't it? Verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Now, the author of Hebrews is generalizing about fathers here. Sadly, there are parents whose motives and methods of discipline are horribly wrong. Okay? 
How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest. Some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Now, I think what that last two verse means, the path you were on was causing injury. Use the instruction and the strength God gives you to correct your course. And in his letter, the next slide, Jesus says this, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Mark asked last time, can you tell us the difference between judgment or right judgment and being judgmental? So ever so, ever so quickly. Next slide. Remember that verse that we looked at originally? Do not judge, Jesus said, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I wonder how you would summarize what Jesus just said. Now this is a bit of an oversimplification, but do you remember the advertisement slogan? No FT, no comment. Do you remember that? Yeah? That's how I would summarize what Jesus is saying up there. Financial Times, I think it was the Financial Times, wasn't it? If you don't read the Financial Times, you can't comment. Okay? I think it's a bit like that, what Jesus is saying there. If you've got no godly discernment, make no comment. I think Jesus is saying here, by all means, judge someone or something that needs correcting. It's not that you can't judge. Okay? You can and should judge something or someone that needs correcting. But only when you've judged yourself first... And you are confident that you have discerned clarity that will do the other person good. What you're thinking or about to say, have you judged yourself first? Do you hear the word of God? And is it going to help someone else? That's when you can make a good judgment. We're called as Christians to make good judgment. If it's not, you're probably being judgmental. You're probably stepping over the line.
Particularly, God might call you to judge or make a judgment to help someone else. Maybe in the area that you've been disciplined by God. You've already been pruned. You've already been there. You have the empathy, the sympathy. You have the godly wisdom because you've judged yourself already and been judged. And now you can help your brother and sister. But ordinarily, do you know what the wisest saying I could say to myself when I'm tempted to judge on something I have no business making a judgment about? I've already said it once. There but for the grace of God go I. How often do you tell yourself that? When you're tempted to look down on someone or there but for the grace of God go I. It could so easily be me. Very quickly, here's a website or something I found on a website that you might find helpful. It'll be in the notes. The sermon notes get emailed out every week. So if you're not on the email list, see Becky. Wait, Becky. See Becky, please, and give her your email address, and then you'll receive the sermon notes uh, from the sermon every week. And of course, they're on the, uh, the website too, not the notes, but the uh, audio version. And it says this, when I'm using my judgment, practically speaking, when I'm using my judgment, when it's my job, when as a leader I'm called upon to make judgments concerning whether or not someone lives up to agreed upon standards of both spiritual and organizational leadership, I need to set boundaries when I make judgments that people are unhealthy for me, my family, for those I'm responsible for in order to protect myself or others from danger of being hurt, where there's dishonesty, when dishonesty of other requires, sorry, of another requires, I generally express. Oh, I'm not reading that well, am I? Apologies, people who are listening later on. Um, and the next, have you read those? Yeah. Are you all as quick as Alex? Good. Okay. Next slide is when I am being judgmental. I tend to cross the line into being judgmental when. Condemning, censorous meanings, trying to shut someone up or shut something down, gossiping, hypercritical, excessively fault-finding, aware of my comments are harmful or have hurtful consequences, using words that evoke in me feelings of superiority, jealousy or pride, avoiding my own faults or by pointing them out in others, intolerant of people not like me, rating others based upon their appearance or associations, not empathetic or sympathetic, not qualified to comment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we read in the letter today that you don't want any of us to be lukewarm. That you want all of us to come to you and buy from you gold refined in the fire to be rich in our relationship with you and white robes white garments to cover our nakedness being led by you so that we're always in the right place at the right time doing the thing that you want us to do and salve for our blind eyes so that we can see the world our circumstances our relationship with you through heavenly eyes 
Lord Jesus, you said that the Father is the gardener and he prunes us so that we might be even more fruitful. And Lord, you said that the Father has, you are already clean by the words I've spoken to you. Lord Jesus, you have spoken so many words. There are so many ways that we fall short of what you have asked of us in word, in thought, in deed. Lord, thank you. Do you know our hearts? You know our attitudes. You know our intentions. And you are so patient and merciful with each of us. Thank you that when we mess up, we can confess our sins. And you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, help us to be acutely aware of when you are disciplining us, of your internal pruning as your word divides our spirit and soul, and of your external pruning when circumstances are working for our good, for our fruitfulness, for our repentance. for our obedience and yieldedness. And Jesus, thank you so much that we're not alone in this. That Holy Spirit has come to dwell in every believer with his fruit, with his wisdom, with his power, with his teaching. We're not alone in this, thank you. Help us, Lord, this week to have good soil, to hear your word, to retain it and persevere with it and produce a harvest, 30, 60 or 100 fold. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.